friends, this is Hannah Wedger, an agriculture teacher in St. Paul, Minnesota, land of 10,000 lakes, and I'm here today to talk all things agriculture education related. Curriculum, classroom management, FFA, career development events, SAEs, and whatever else you want to hear about. It's basically me sharing chapters from my book of agriculture with all of you. Today I have on Emily Cooper with us. She's an agriculture teacher in Louisiana and she is going to talk to us about LDEs. So let's dig in. Hey friends, I'm here today with Emily Cooper and I'm really excited. She's an agriculture teacher, um, an FFA advisor in Louisiana and um, she has been teaching um, the past two years of her teaching careers, she was a science and agriculture teacher. Um, so I'm going to let her do a little bit more of her own introduction. Welcome, Emily. Hey, thank you for inviting me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm really excited. Um, well, I'm Emily Cooper, and like you said, I've been teaching for two years. I was at Barnado High School for a little while, and what's really funny as my husband and I actually, we worked together for the past two years. So he was the high school FFA advisor and I was the middle school FFA advisor. So it actually worked out really well. Um, so it was a really unique situation, I guess you could say. And he always says it was pretty interesting to be able to work with me. But anyway, <laughs> I'm going into my third year of teaching and I also have a TPT store and it's called Country Mile Teaching. And so I sell like some of the materials and stuff um, on there and any resources that I feel like will help other teachers too. So it's really cool, but I'm excited. Thank you. Yes, I am super excited to have you on and what a fun to be able to teach um, with your husband in that kind of setting. That sounds like <laughs> it would be fun. Maybe yes. it has challenges, but definitely yeah. a unique situation. And I think, I think I would enjoy that. <laughs> it was, it was pretty interesting. He always says it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's always his word, his go-to word. <laughs> yeah. So you and I were chatting a little bit and I asked you what you feel like is your wheelhouse or what you're confident in talking about when it comes to agriculture and FFA. And you said LDEs are my wheelhouse um, and you work a lot of, with middle schoolers. And so you were just talking about um, how you're super comfortable with that and have a lot of tips and tricks for us. So I was like, super excited to have you on because LDEs are not my wheelhouse and I am not very comfortable with them. <laughs> and so selfishly, I was like, yes, I need to, I need all her tips and tricks. So <laughs> I'm really excited for you to be able to talk about LDEs today. <laughs> uh, so my first question that I have for you is how do you introduce LDEs to your students? Okay, so the first thing that I do typically <laughs> is after I um, go through my classroom rules and procedures to set up my classroom for the year, we go into the intro to FFA unit. And whenever we go through that unit, we eventually get to LDEs and CDEs. And I show a list of all of the LDEs that Louisiana offers. And I give like a 
very brief description of each LDE. And some of the LDEs in Louisiana are only in Louisiana. Um, there's a couple that I can think of right off the top of my head. One of them is Go Teach Ag. And the other one is Gulf of Mexico. And the Go Teach Ag contest is basically the kids come up with a lesson plan and a presentation. And it's all based off of a topic that they give them. And then the, the Gulf of Mexico prepared public speaking. It's basically just like prepared public speaking, but just about the Gulf of Mexico. And so, you know, I tell the kids, like, which ones are Louisiana-based and which ones can go all the way to nationals. And then I show them, like, the banners that they can win. And I feel like that gives them a lot of motivation, just seeing, like, that students won them before and yeah. that it is possible to win in that LDE. Um, and so I feel like that gives them a lot of motivation to try to participate. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So the next thing that I do is, so after that, like while we're in the intro to FFA unit, I usually like organize opening ceremonies. So at the beginning of class, usually every day for two or three weeks, depending on how many students I have, I assign a part for all of the students. So I assign like an officer part for every single student and a day for them to do that particular part. So they don't have to memorize it. They just have to read it out of the manual. Okay. And this kind of really opens up my classroom to encouraging students to uh, public speak in class and not be scared because everybody has to do it. Like we all get in our opening ceremony, like in the officer part, and then we read the part and everybody has to do it. And then the class like all listens to everybody saying the part. And so it begins to open up the whole classroom as a positive environment so they're not afraid to get up in front of people and you know public speak so yeah yeah and then I also so again this is all like in the beginning kind of of the year sure. um most teachers go ahead and do the FFA creed they start off with the FFA creed and that's typically like one of the first things that we go over um, and a lot of teachers will actually make their kids like memorize the whole FFA creed, which is beneficial to them. But I typically only make mine memorize one paragraph and that's it. And I give them a week uh, to memorize the paragraph of their choice. And then um, and then they deliver it like the next week. So I'll give them like a whole week to memorize, you know, what paragraph they'd like to, they'd like to do. And that way they have a choice of which one they want to do. And then um, I also like, I'll show a video of a student their age, you know, the national creed speaker. I'll usually show that video and I have them write down like three to five positive things that this speaker did while they were delivering the creed. And oh, it really cool. puts, yeah, 
it really puts everything into perspective for them because they they see somebody like delivering the creed which mm-hmm. is what they're going to be doing and they think oh well this isn't so hard she memorized the whole thing you know so it kind of pushes them to memorize it and it opens up that door that they can actually do it um because a lot of them are just too scared or they just feel like they don't have the capability to memorize something. So you have to kind of show them somebody their age doing that and delivering the creed. And then I typically will actually get up in front of class and deliver it myself too. So they can see like that. I still have it memorized as well. So it just, it, it helps a lot. Um, and even before they deliver the creed, like whenever I first introduce the FFA creed, we actually read it together as a class. So I will call on like one person to read one paragraph and then another person to read another paragraph. And then we all talk about it. Like, you know, we'll answer some questions and stuff. I'll ask them questions and we'll answer the questions together and we'll have a discussion about the creed and what it means. And then I'll pair them off. And I have like some questions that I'll put up on the board that they'll answer. And there's, there's a lot of stuff that I'll have them do. Like I'll have them box off every time EM Tiffany had, I believe in the creed or underline the words that you don't know or circle the words that you don't know, star your favorite paragraph. So the stuff that they like the words that they don't know and maybe the phrases that they don't understand, we usually open it up as a class discussion. And I have the kids like raise their hands. Um, and then we'll talk about like what they don't understand. That way the creed does not seem so overwhelming and they and it's like put on their level. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you you really think the creed. dissect it almost look at different words look at words they don't know look at words that maybe are familiar with them and see like what the meaning is in that context um and it's almost like a good strategy for getting our kids involved in ldes and in doing being a creed speaker but also just like good teaching skills (laughs) and good english (laughs) skills um when we're looking that's really cool i would i guess i haven't really thought about breaking it down like that yeah I think that's important because they have to think about how it relates to them if you want them to at least try to participate in that LDE later like if they see that it relates to them and then that if you challenge them to memorize a paragraph and then you can say just advertise it well and just say oh well you already have this paragraph memorized you can go ahead and just memorize the other ones and then, you know, you'll be in creed speaking. Like it's a contest. So you can advertise it to where, well, you have this already done. Let's see if you can do the next one now. And so it's just kind of pushing them a little bit at a time and then getting them to that point where they, they feel like they can compete and do well. And most of the time they will. So yeah. Um. <laughs> I um I also 
I don't know why, but it just occurred to me this year um, when I was recording with Cassidy Sheldon, and she was talking about how she uses YouTube to show kids, like, SAE options. Mm -hmm. And why would we not do that for, like, all the other things? I can't remember who I was talking about, but they said that they're – one of their students was watching like every single creed that is on YouTube and like, I like this about this one, but not that about that one. And I'm like, what a great tool for those kiddos to be able to, like you said, see students their age, peers their age doing it, but then also to be able to kind of pick it apart and figure out what they like and don't like and how they might want to do theirs. Right. Yep. Um, and another one I'll talk about real briefly, too, is employment skills. So the way I introduce that one is I usually have, like, on index cards, I'll have some random different careers. And a lot of them will be kind of funny. Like, there will be some that will be something like background vocalist for Taylor Swift or a <laughs> beekeeper or a hairstylist or mm-hmm. a video game creator, anything like that. And I'll put like these random careers on index cards and then I'll pass them out to every student in class and they have no idea what they're going to get. I'm just going to pass them out randomly. And then I have, um, I'll call each student up there one at a time in front of the class. They'll sit in front of the class and we do like a mock interview and they have to say like the career that's on their index card. And then after they say the career that's on their index card, I tell all of the students in class, okay, well, let's think of one question per student. Let's think of a question that we want to ask our interviewee, which is the person in the front of the room. And Mm -hmm. so it's really funny to listen to some of their questions. Like some of them are very, very good, which goes beyond their level. And then there's some that, you know, will kind of be funny with it, which makes it entertaining to me. Um, yeah, <laughs> but but of course you have to give them guidelines too. like you have to have appropriate questions. You know, you have to set up your classroom to be positive. And so that's what it really all comes down to. So the kids know like this is this this is going to allow me to this class is going to allow me to express my opinions and be able to public speak in class without fear of getting bullied. Mm-hmm. So that's really the classroom environment that I try to create is just all of the students uplifting each other. And, you know, whenever they're done with their interviews, like they, they're usually more comfortable in an interview type setting than they are, um, than they are, like getting in front of people doing a speech or saying a paragraph of the creed because they can just think of it off the top of their head. They can think of answers. And once they're done, you know, I usually time them. And once they're finished, I ask the class like, okay, what were three things that you noticed that were really awesome that this interviewee did during their interview? Or what question do you feel like they answered the most eloquently or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And then the class will share um, what they thought about the interview. And then um, after that, you know, that's whenever I advertise, Hey, there's a contest for this. It's called employment skills. If you feel like you'll be good at it, you should 
try it, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's just, that's how I kind of introduce all of them. I do something a little bit fun and I try to relate it to them yeah. and engage them. So I want to back up a little bit and you, um, when we're talking about the the different cards that you give students, so let's say mm-hmm. you have a student who gets a card that says they're a beekeeper. So mm-hmm. then they go to the front of the classroom um, and their peers ask them questions and they have to answer the questions like Correct. they are a, bee, mm-hmm. a beekeeper. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So like the class like they would sorry I just I didn't clarify it very well but no, that's I, just, totally I got caught up in all the little bitty details <laughs> but the class um the class will actually like write questions for the interviewees interview like they'll write the questions and then I have the kids the the class will actually ask them the questions and again you know you have to give them some guidelines a little bit like keep it appropriate you know don't go too far y'all know what I mean <laughs> so mm-hmm. um so then my next question is have you ever had a student um that is like really shy and what do you do in that situation Ooh, I I've had I've had a student or actually I've had more than one student that would be really shy um I would just like, I would really have to press them a little bit more to do the best that they could, you know, and, and just answer the questions of the best that they could. And I'd stand up beside them if it made them feel a little bit better and I'd help them out. So it's kind of, it's kind of up to the teacher of what to do in that situation and how well you know that student, because there were a couple students where I felt like they were just so, so shy that they refused to do it. Even if it was a grade, they would refuse to do it. And they were a good kid. I would tell them, okay, well, maybe, maybe we can do this after class, just me and you, and I'll ask you some questions. And they usually feel better about having that option to yeah. just discuss it with the teacher. And then that kind of opens the door for, you know, maybe they'll try to get in front of class later. But it's it's not something that I've seen a lot of. I've just had a couple students, as I said. So that's yeah, what I sounds, typically do. It sounds like you have a really good, like, classroom culture, too. And that sounds like it probably helps with students who might typically be uncomfortable but if they have peers that they feel a bit more comfortable with and whatnot then it, they might be more willing to do it too right that's right uh so I was talking to one of my um teacher friends here in Minnesota and she wanted me to ask how do we get our younger students to dig deeper in their LDEs so we've had like the issue where it's just kind of I don't know, students are kind of lackadaisy about it or kind of just, yeah, I'll do it and whatnot. And so how do we really like get those kids pulled in and get them um, really, really involved and digging their feet in? Right. I I think that's my favorite question. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I love that question because I really had to think hard about that one. Um, So typically 
what I do is, especially at the beginning of the year, as I was saying, um, whenever the kids like get up and, and get, what's the word? Uh, get the confidence. That's, that's the right phrase I'm looking for. Whenever they get the confidence to stand up in front of class, even if it's like at their desk or if they just want to speak up and they have a good answer to something, I make my whole class do a clap of some sort for that, for that kid. So usually we'll do a power clap and a lot of people know you know the power claps like after they say their answer we just do one clap on the count of three we just go one two three everybody claps and and that really helps um a lot of students like they want the different claps I have some different ones that I do I have like a firework one I have a cow clap I have some cute ones and a lot of kids will share just so they can do the claps and so they can get applauded you know so yeah. that really that really um pushes them to want to speak up in class and do something and then another thing too is whenever i'm training with kids like one on one and even in the classroom um like if they're practicing in class or whatever before an lde i'll always like give them two positive things that they did like some positives I always give way more positives and then I'll like throw in a suggestion of something that they maybe can work on and I'm never too harsh with any kid because first of all it takes a lot of nerve to get in front of people especially if it's a class and and especially if they're going to do the contest, like it takes a lot of nerve and a lot of confidence to be able to do that. And so I'm never too harsh with the kids. Like I always, I always give them a lot of positives and how great they did. And then I kind of start giving suggestions, but I never outweigh like suggestions with positives. I always outweigh the positives from the um from the negatives and then another thing that I do is whenever we do LDE practices I like to focus on one particular area so that they can improve on so like if it's the creed um memorization and getting the words right you know so if I have a student where he or she may be messing up and on this one particular word, we're going to try our best to fix that during this practice. Like you have to, to focus on one area at a time. And that really, that helps the students get better steadily and it doesn't overwhelm them with so much that they have to improve. And so that way that, you know, they, they know what they need to work on, on that practice. Like, okay, we need to work on getting these words said, right. We need to work on having hand gestures right here. We need to work on uh, moving at a certain spot during this part in your speech or whatever it is. Um, And other than that, I asked them like, what do they think? they can do to improve 
So usually we are the most critical of ourselves. And I'll ask the students like, well, what do you think you could have done better here? Um, How do you think you could have done this differently? So I ask them, them the questions of how they think they could do better. And usually like them looking at their performance and their delivery or their presentation, looking into that themselves and reflecting on it helps them to improve and pushes them. Um, And again, yes. Yeah, it really, and it works. It works really well. Like whenever you get them to reflect on it and like you said, watching videos, you know, I have mine watch videos of all the different prepared speeches that they do at nationals and, you know, they watch the videos of the creed speakers and, um, and then another thing is I always make myself available to them for ideas and like, I'll, I'll give them suggestions. I'll give them ideas all day long of what they could do here, what they could do with this. But I always tell them like, this is yours. This is up to you. Like, this is your speech. This is your lesson plan. This is your presentation. Like, this is up to you. If you feel like this is not something that you would do, don't do it. And this is, this is for you. I'm just giving you suggestions or ideas. And I'm always letting them know, like, this is their show, you know, and they just, they always need to hear that that's up to them because they're the ones competing. We are not like, we're just there to guide them and lead them maybe in the right direction, but it's their choice. Um, and then that's a really good point, I think. And I think sometimes as agriculture teachers, we just get so caught up and, yes. and not intentionally, but I think, right, like we have the best intentions, but I think sometimes we don't allow for our students to like to learn on their own and to be able to mm-hmm. like to make it their own as well. And so I really like that piece coupled with the what do you think you can do to improve? Because I think that that kind of helps foster building those like self-reflection skills as well. Yes. Important. Yeah. And, you know, and I've been guilty before of I'll throw out, you know, these different ideas and then I want, you know, deep down, I want the student to go in that direction that I mentioned, but if they choose to go a different way, it's taken me some time to be okay. Like chill, like I need to take a chill pill if they take a different direction. (laughs) It's what I'm saying. Um, And, you know, and it's taken me a little while to get better about, well, if they, if they choose to go and do their own thing, like I just, I need to let them do that because this is about learning. Like this is not all about winning. This is not all about, you know, it's not all about winning. And I think a lot of people just, they get too honed in on the fact that it's okay. We have to win. We have to win. Like let the kid learn, <laughs> let yeah. them learn throughout <laughs> the process. It's not all about winning. Absolutely. And I think if I think back on like the things that I have learned 
Um, and like our most memorable are things that I probably like messed up on <laughs> or things That's that like right. didn't, didn't go exactly the way that I wanted it to or right. like areas where my parents just said, okay, go ahead and give it a shot. We'll see how it goes. And, and right. they didn't always turn out terrible, but those are the times where I'm like, wow, I did a lot of growing in those um, areas. Yeah. And um, there have been several times <laughs> where I feel like, um, you know, I'm trying to tell the student that that's what they should do. But then I have to think, well, they're not me. Like they may do, they have a different personality than I do. Like I could get away with doing a sound effect in a speech or something like that, or doing this particular thing in a speech, but maybe that's not them. That's not their personality. So you kind of have to think about what's, what's good for the student and you know, what they would do better with during like a speech delivery or during a presentation or something along with students and helping them with their LDEs. And so that kind of leads me to the question of how do you structure um, your LDEs and practicing for your students? Okay, so usually like whenever we get a little bit past the intro to FFA unit, I begin to focus, I have like a whole unit on leadership and that's where we do the different LDEs. I have every student will choose one, one leadership development event that they believe that they would actually compete in. So every single student, whether they're an FFA member or not, will choose an LDE that they would actually do. And so, you know, again, I give them a brief description of what each one is. And, um, and I have like these guidelines that I made, which were my saving grace this past year. It took me forever to make them, but they helped me so much. Whenever I went to national convention, I just left them with my sub. And basically they are, like for each LDE, I made like guidelines and I have like objectives that the students have to meet in a particular time frame. So um, I did that for Creed. I did that for Go Teach, employment skills. And then there was another one. I think it was uh, prepared. Yeah. So I did like four different LDE guideline packet things. And I have like objectives and a particular time frame that, you know, they are to complete those objectives. And whenever I see that that objective is complete, I sign off on it. And it's like me checking in on them and on their progress. And I found that this way I could see like which students were really into it. Um, because this past year I had come back from national convention and there were so many students that they were really enjoying, um, you know, if it was prepared public speaking, like they were enjoying researching their topic and writing their speech. And, um, and then if they were doing go teach ag, like they were making their PowerPoints, their little PowerPoints for their presentation and they were working on their lesson plan. And 
whenever I got back, I was able to see like the students who were motivated enough while I was gone to be working on it. And that just, um, that, that really like, it showed me who was really into the LDE and who I needed to push to do the contest because they were, they already had a lot of the paperwork done because it was a grade. And I was like, when, whenever I saw that most of the stuff was done, I said, so why don't you compete in this this year? I mean, you have most of this done. And they were like, yeah, I really want to. And so the guidelines really helped um, structure like their paperwork that they had to do. So if it was employment skills, you know, they had a week where they, they started to write a cover letter and they worked on a resume. And if it was prepared public speaking, they, they got a whole week to research it um, and to choose a topic and to make an outline. And so I had all of those objectives for them to follow. And then I would sign off of, as I saw that that objective was complete. And, and it just, it really, it helped them not be too overwhelmed with all of it because I would, I would do like a few at a time. Um, I would only let them see a few objectives at a time. And then that way they wouldn't see like everything that needed to be done. Because if you put all of that, in front of a middle schooler, they're just going to be like, no, I'm not doing this (laughs) because it's too much. Um, So I had to kind of feed it to them a little bit at a time and give them like those objectives that they needed to do and give them a time frame. So it pushed them to do it and complete it. And then that's whenever I was like, okay, you did such a good job on your resume and your cover letter. Like, I think you really need to think about competing in employment skills or you are halfway done with your speech already. And it seems like you love this topic. So how about we get you ready for the contest? And that really lights up a spark in them. And you can just see it. They're like, Oh yeah. Like I really, I'm actually enjoying this. I want to compete and I want to get a banner, you know? Um, And something else that I do as far as the practices go, like I do all of this other stuff in class, but with the practices, I stay once or twice a week with my students leading up to the contest. And I try not to schedule too many LDEs in one day. And what I mean by that is if I only have, you know, five students competing in LDEs, I may have two of those may be creed speakers, two of those may be employment skills. So I could have like the creed speakers and the other, the other one, whatever it may be, I could have them on one practice and then my two employment skills on another practice. And then that helps me get more information to them and get more one-on-one time with those students if I try to schedule like too many LDEs at one time it becomes overwhelming for me and for them because they don't get the direction that they need from me because I'm spread too thin if that makes sense and it's a great reminder to not try to do too many things at once 
Right. So, all right so my first one is definitely quality like focusing on quality over quantity so what i mean by that is what i was just talking about not spreading yourself too thin as the ag teacher and then also you have to remember like some of these kids there's there's a few that are energetic and they want to do everything and you have to kind of say, okay, well, you want to do three contests, but I think since this is your first year in FFA, you only need to do this one. So you kind of have to, um, you kind of have to make the student think about how, how much work they need to put into one contest in particular and focus on that one contest for maybe the first year. And then maybe the second year, if they wanted to do another one, you could encourage them to do that other one too. Um, And then of course, not, you know, not putting too many practices on the same day as I was saying. And then another thing, my second tip would be to practice in class before the contest like have your students get up in front of the class and practice like saying the creed or practice their go teach ag presentation or um, practice their prepare public speech or whatever it is and have the class listen and write down like five positive things that the student did and then have the class share that with that student because that gives them motivation for the next contest and most kids like they don't want to be in front of the class and they're not going to want to do the whole creed in front of the class they're not going to want to say their whole speech in front of the class because they're going to be scared to death of their peers because a lot of them are but if you tell your your students to write down five positive things that that kid did and then have them share those things that kid is going to just like go to the moon I mean (laughs) it's it's neat it's neat to see them grow um my third tip would be to set up your classroom environment to be a positive classroom environment that way your students become comfortable with speaking and they may compete later um I talked about that in the beginning and then my fourth tip this is like probably the biggest most important one out of all of these is to use examples and have clear and specific steps because middle school as I said they are very easily overwhelmed and if you teach high school they're going to be like oh this is too much work I don't want to do this so you have to just give them a little bit at a time and just ease them into the LDE because if they see that there's too much and they see like, oh my gosh, I have to get up and talk for six to eight minutes for a prepared public speech. Like if you, if you start off with that, they're going to immediately shut down. (laughs) So you Mm -hmm. have to kind of lead them into it. Like, 
okay, well, you can do, you can make an outline, you can make a bubble map, like get them thinking about different topics or something before you say it's got to be six to eight minutes, which is almost a thousand words for most people. You know, you got to lead them into it and then they can believe that they've got this. Um, And then with the examples, so if your kids are writing a prepared public speech, give them an example of a speech that was written before. Um, if you have those, if you have access to some examples, and then if you have some access to resumes, let them see examples of resumes. Let them, um, let them see like a list of what what happens during a bad interview let them see a list of what happens during a good interview like if you're doing employment skills and then that way they have an idea of where to start and what is expected of them and also you as the teacher are an example too so (laughs) you know you can if it's a speech and you see that the kid needs a hand gesture somewhere like they need to they need to do like the one two three steps on their fingers like they're counting on their fingers or Mm -hmm. you know like big motions with their arms or something like if you see that they can do something like that in their speech get up and show them what you mean if you tell them okay you need to emphasize this word in your speech you need to Um, put some voice inflection right here show them what you mean because they're not going to really understand what you're talking about unless you do it unless you show them what you're talking about sure so um my fifth one my fifth tip is again this is not all about winning and so you have to remind the kids that this is supposed to be fun you know ffa is about meeting new people and you know making new relationships and um these people will be part of your life forever and you have to constantly remind them at these ffa contests like make new friends you know meet people while you're here and if they win um tell them to stay humble about it and to keep working hard towards their next goal and make them think about how they can improve because you don't want anyone to get overconfident and think that they just have it in the bag because then they get their hopes up so high for the next contest and it kind of rips them apart. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have to kind of keep things in perspective for them and say, okay, well, you did so good. You got first place. That's awesome. But remember like, Let's let's go back. Let's look to see what you did and let's see how we can improve for the next contest. And if they lose, it's not saying you're not saying that they're the worst. You know, if just because they lose doesn't mean that they're the worst. And you have to remind those kids like this does not mean that you are the worst out of everybody. You know, this placing does not define you as a person. Um, you just need to, what we need to do is we just need to think about, well, what have we learned from this? Like, what can we do next year? How can we 
how can we do something next year? Did you have fun? I always ask them, did you have fun? I mean, even if you lost, did you have fun? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Did you meet anybody new? Like, did you learn something about somebody? And see, and then they're like, yeah, I did. You know, I did have fun. And it makes them think about the positives that have happened and doesn't keep them thinking about, well, I lost, you know, that just means I'm terrible. Mm -hmm. You don't want them to think that. Like you want them to, to get a little bit of encouragement to do it again next year because you don't want to lose a really good kid just because they got a bad place, you know, the first year or whatever. And you just have to encourage them and get them to think about, oh, you know, what they learned and if they made any new friends or anything. So, yep, that's my five tips, I guess. Those are awesome. (laughs) Those are so awesome. Um, So what are some examples of LDEs that have been done really well at that kind of middle school age level? All right. Well, what I'm about to read off here is all seventh graders, which (laughs) after I made the list, I was like, all of these are seventh graders. I didn't realize it until I made the list. But um, these are all seventh graders. So one of my kids got a state championship. She was the state champion in Go Teach Ag. And she was also the top middle school kid in Go Teach Ag um, at the state level. And then I had another kid got top middle school and prepared public speaking at the state level and in order to get that he had to beat 50 percent of the high schoolers there and he got a second place at area and then um another one of my kids got second place and taught middle school and employment skills at area and then they qualified for the state contest and And then I had another one that got fourth place at the district level in Gulf of Mexico, and she qualified for area. So, again, those are all seventh graders. And even if if you're a middle school teacher, you know, you're probably thinking, like, you'll never be able to get to nationals because I've talked to a lot of middle school ag teachers and some of them don't think it's possible, but it is possible. These, I mean, just the past couple of years of me teaching, I thought that, you know, I, I had no idea what these kids were capable of until, until they started getting to the state level and everything. I mean, I was just surprised, but <laughs> it is, it is possible. I mean, they can, they have a lot of potential, a lot more than what people give them credit for at that age. Well, and it sounds like, <laughs> I mean, you've been teaching for two years and you've had these seventh graders just do so well. And clearly that speaks highly of you and, still, and how you've kind of I set it up. I can't believe it. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I really can't believe it. So on the opposite side of this, what are some mm-hmm. roadblocks to watch out for um, when we're thinking about LDEs and our kiddos? Right. Um, I would say too much criticism. Uh, that can be very detrimental to any kid, especially 
uh, especially middle school kids, they tend to wear their hearts on their sleeves. So you Mm -hmm. have to be real careful about their feelings. Um, And one thing that I've just, one thing that I've seen is I've, I've just, I've kind of just seen it the, just the past couple years I've seen it. And I mean, maybe even before then I've seen it. If, if the FFA advisor puts in a lot of dedication and time to their students, their students are going to most likely do very well because the students see that the teacher really cares about them and wants them to do well. And if they see that the teacher does not want to put in the time and, and is not dedicating themselves to helping that child, then that student is going to pick up on it and they're not going to want to do well. Like, it's, it's kind of complicated to explain, but, <laughs> but from what I've seen, the kids, if they see your enthusiasm and they see that you really, really care and want them to do well, they're going to do all they can. And it's not just for themselves, but sometimes it's for you too because you're pushing them. And they mm-hmm. want to do good for you even. Um, and another thing is to make sure that parents, you know, are aware of the practices going on. Like, make sure that the parents know that the child is staying after school or oh, sure. is working mm-hmm. on it in class. That way they know that if the kid comes home and says they have an FFA contest, that way they're aware of the time and the effort that the child has put into that contest. And another thing too, which I'm going to start this year because I haven't the past two years and I really want to, I've just, I've realized, especially with middle schoolers, they're obsessed with their cell phones Mm -hmm. and they constantly are distracted by their cell phones. And so starting this year, I'm going to make a rule about their cell phone where we're just going to put all of our cell phones in a basket and um and you know I'll leave I'll let them leave them on in case their parents call them or whatever but we're going to all put them up and we're not going to look at them for the hour of practice and that leads me to my next one is don't make the practices too long for middle school I've noticed that the furthest they can go is an hour if you make that practice over an hour they are not going to pay attention anymore (laughs) so um so I have one thing that I just a little bit um Mm -hmm. when you're thinking about roadblocks and stuff um and you're talking about putting in time um and I think um I just want to make sure that I clarify because I'm someone who, um, and I think it's, I mean, a lot of egg teachers have stuff outside of the classroom and outside of FFA that they're doing as well. Yeah. Um, and so when you say time, are you talking about like just even? Oh, yeah. I'm talking about in the classroom too. Not, not just like after school, you know, because not everybody has, has that. Not everybody can stay after school. Okay. 
Yeah. And I just, I, I totally agree with you. I think if students are able to see that you're excited about it and you're really dedicated to them doing well. Yeah. I can definitely see that that is like, they're ready to go as well. Where if you're like, well, there's this contest. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know a lot about it, but give it a shot. You don't have as much buy-in. And I've even seen, I've even seen some ag teachers, um, they, they show the kids, like they give the kids the stuff to work on. Like they say, okay, here's the rules of the contest. I hope you compete. And then they just let them go. Mm-hmm. and give them zero direction that's that's kind of where I was headed with it whenever I meant like the time to put into the kid because if you just hand this child all this stuff to do and tell them okay well now you're on your own and like don't help them anymore they can see that obviously like oh well how much do you actually care about me competing in this you know mm-hmm yeah. <laughs> and then that's just overwhelming in general for any right. not not just our kiddos. <laughs> yeah. Uh what support and or resources are available for our egg teachers? Well, um YouTube is amazing. I use it for videos for the speeches and all that. I use National FFA for all of the rubrics for creed speaking and prepare public speaking and employment skills like every every rubric I've ever wanted is on there so I just I use that for everything um and then I've used like the little guide packet things that I was talking about those are in my TPT store um and I've made those and they have helped so much and then you know if there's any questions about anything if any of y'all have any questions you can always email me too. Um, I'm, you know, an open book for the most part. So my email is mrsmisscooperffa at gmail.com if you have any questions. And you have an Instagram too, right? That people can I do. Them. And it's it's the same thing. It's um Miss Cooper FFA. Perfect. Uh, anything else that I haven't asked you or that we should go over? I feel like you've covered everything. <laughs> and if we, if you ask me another question, I'm probably going to end up making this thing way too long. <laughs> <laughs> it's all been good. Um, well, I do have three more questions to ask you because this is my favorite part of the podcast and where I get to okay. know everyone else a little bit better and our um, listeners get to know you a little bit better. Um, so my first question is, who has had the most influence on your teaching career? I would say my dad, because he is still an ag teacher to this day, Um, and I saw everything that went on behind the scenes, and, you know, I went to a lot of conventions whenever I was little. I went to all the FFA trips, and so I was around that my whole life, and so he really inspired me to be an ag teacher. Oh, that's so sweet. So, like, your family, you've got your husband's an ag teacher, your dad's Mm -hmm. an ag teacher. (laughs) (laughs) um my next one is because I'm kind of a foodie and like all new things and like to try new things and all that so what's your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant okay so this is a funny question because (laughs) like there's only three places to eat where I live and I'm not making this up we have to drive 
like 15 minutes to go to another place that has maybe five more restaurants to choose from. And then we have to drive an hour to get to a place that has a whole lot of nice restaurants to choose from. (laughs) So um, we have a little malt stand here. Um, And I like the King of the Road burger. It has like jalapenos and pepper jack cheese on it. And it's amazing. (laughs) Oh, you're brave. That sounds spicy. (laughs) I like spicy stuff. I'm Cajun. I'm from Louisiana. So, you know, I like things spicy. (laughs) Um, My students make fun of me because sometimes I feel like ketchup might be a little spicy. What? Yeah. Wow. I know. I'm That is crazy. I am. Oh my goodness. I don't think you would survive here. Like we put Tony's and pepper and crabble and like everything we eat. Yep. I am like as Minnesotan, as northern, like Swedish as you can get. <laughs> um, my last question for you is what are you what are three of your simple joys? Okay, my first one are my goats. I love all of my baby goats. Um, and then What breed are your goats? I have Nigerian dwarf goats and pygmy goats. Okay. So we have a lot of them. I Look, we just bought four yesterday. I have to recount. I have no, I have no idea like how many we have right now. <laughs> um, we just keep collecting them. That's all right. And then, right. yeah. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Ag teacher problems, right? I know. (laughs) (laughs) And then I would say my next one would be traveling. I love to travel all over. I go everywhere. Um, Me and my husband both like to travel. And I love to paint. I was in art whenever I was younger. And I still do a lot of artsy things. Um, I'm actually working on a picture right now for my husband. I'm doing one of a tractor, so (laughs) I'm excited about that one. All right. What color tractor are you doing? It's, it's a red one. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah. My son would be excited. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining me today. And I can say that personally, I, my knowledge of LDEs and how I'm going to approach them has like quadrupled. So oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad. super excited. I'm so glad. <laughs> and I hope that for our, um, our listeners as well, they'll be able to learn a lot. So I really appreciate you coming on today. Thank well, you so much. Thank you for inviting me on here. It's been fun. You just finished listening to episode 11 of Egg with Miss Wedger, where I'm sharing chapters from my book of agriculture with each of you. I hope you enjoyed listening and learned a little bit more about LDEs from Miss Emily Cooper. For show notes, please visit my Instagram at Mrs. Wedger for more info about our chat today. If you have any questions or ideas on topics you want me to dig in and cover, or if you want to be a guest, you can send me an email at eggwithmisswedger at gmail.com. I hope you have a great week and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye, everybody.